leaving Dublin on the train is a different experience to leaving Belfast. You kind of sneak out of Central Station through backyards and tunnels. But here we're trundling north towards Croke Park. You're high up, you're looking down at roofs and tops of buildings. There aren't so many cranes on the city skyline as there used to be. You've dark trains hurtling past in the other direction. The houses get grander, the gardens get bigger, the greenery gets more profuse. Then Kilester, Kilbarrack, an unfinished ghost estate, and its open fields to Port Marnock and the sea. There's a different feel about the Dublin to Belfast journey. It's almost like it's a different train. There are fewer regular commuters, but I saw tourists and shoppers, young and old, all filing out of the glass waiting room onto Platform 2 at Connolly this morning, along with the regular laptop brigade. Today, I suppose, I'm approaching the border from another angle. This train always represented coming home to me. But what about the people who make the journey north for work or for pleasure? What does the border mean to them? And what do they really think about their northern counterparts? Time to inspect some baggage. I'm Robbie McCune. I'm a train manager on the Enterprise Service. I've been here since it started in 97. Uh, traditionally, when the service started, it was always everyone going down to Dublin for weekends, for concerts, for sporting events. In the last few years, it's slightly changed with the redevelopment of Belfast, with the Titanic Centre opening up, and just with different events happening, especially more artists coming to Belfast to do concerts that traditionally didn't play Belfast, played Dublin. It has changed. A bigger percentage now come to Belfast for that rather than everyone going to Dublin for it. But the shape of the journeys is different. When it leaves Belfast, there's not so many people. And then there's a bulge of people gets on in the mornings in around Newry, Dundalk. And then it's full by the time it gets to, to Dublin. On the way back, that's different. You kind of, what you have at the start in Dublin is kind of what you have by the time you get to Belfast. Yeah, uh, on the return journey, it's more leisure travellers, so the people getting on in Dublin are just coming north. There's nobody really in between. Is it a nice middle-class way to travel? I think people, because you're travelling a longer distance, people commute by bus then daily for five, ten-minute journeys. The Enterprise trains, it's more of a special occasion for people travelling. You know what it is, people going for their 50th birthday parties, people going to work, people hen parties, stag parties, big sporting events. So you get an absolutely massive cross-the-board range of people travelling. Really, it is very, very diverse. And uh, no two days the same on the train. Uh, my name is Paul Ryan, I'm from Galway and uh, I'm, I'm going up to the, the post office in Bedford Street to collect a package. How did a package and it's supposed to end up in Galway? I, I, what I can explain, <laughs> I was uh, looking on eBay and um, I seen uh, a second-hand bench vice I wanted to purchase. Good quality vice, bulletproof. So this is for like woodwork and yeah. DIY? Kind of thing, yeah. The person I um, purchased it off um, said he, he didn't know what the postage cost would be to Galway. It turns out it was £67 sterling. Just for the postage? Just for the postage. Where was the, the postage from? The moon? Somewhere in England. Weighs 13 kilograms. All right. And so he said um, if he posted it to Northern Ireland, it'd be a lot cheaper. So it was £20 sterling. So that's what I decided to do. I said, yeah. 
So what I did was I went on uh, uh, I went Google Maps. Google Maps. I said, "What's the closest post office to the train station?" I went here, Bedford Street Post Office. So um, I said, "Post it there, and I go up and collect it and bring it back down." And that's that's, that's the main reason. So you're going to have to lug this thing oh, yeah. the whole so way back yeah. to Dublin, that's what the bag is across the platform, and then yeah. to Galway again. I, I asked, uh, was there any problems? I, I rang Erin um, Road, Erin, uh-huh. and I asked him, was there any, um, would there be any problems bringing it out? So no, it's just, we just treat it as ordinary luggage. <laughs> so amongst all the people with their laptops and their iPads and people with their people down there playing cards and whatever. There's a man on the train who'll have a bench face, bench face a yeah. proper gold standard, top, top quality, quality bench face. Bench, yeah. And am I right in saying this is the first time you've been to the north? It is, yeah. It is. So what do you? I mean, what do you think it's going to be like? Or what uh, you... I'm just, I'm just here to collect advice. That's it. Just see, I want, I want, I want to be up and down in one day, so I don't have much time to be uh... sightseeing. No. My first passenger. An engineering student with no baggage bar an empty hold all and hardly time to breathe the clear northern air. Please use baggage spaces provided for your luggage. In the next carriage to Paul, Eamon Brannock, former dean of the Faculty of Radiologists in the Royal College of Surgeons in Ireland. A Corkman whose professional experience north and south has impacted on his perception of the border in terms of healthcare provision. I hear and read about various initiatives that seem to come maybe once every nine months. An initiative is announced at ministerial level, which affects a very small cohort of patients. The question of cardiac surgery uh, would be one. Which was moved from Belfast. That's right. And all of that's excellent and very well. But if you take patients with acute illnesses, who live geographically near to a certain hospital, there should never be a question of the border as being an item that would uh, decide to which facility those patients were brought. An acutely ill patient should be brought to the nearest facility and the border should be a non-existent uh, concept there. Secondly, I think that even outside of the emergency situation, if patients live geographically near a certain facility, and there are wonderful facilities on either side of the border, the border should not be a preventer. It should be a a very permeable uh, barrier uh, for patient accessibility. A permeable membrane? Permeable membrane, absolutely. That's right. And, uh, osmosis brings them to wherever the, the better the better institution is. I listen to Eamon and I notice out the window the bright white cables of the Boyne Valley Mary McAleese Bridge as we cross the river into Drogheda. So we're still building bridges. My name is Betty Horsell. I'm a commissioner designate of the new Irish Human Rights and Equality Commission. And we're going up for our first meeting with the Northern Ireland Human Rights Commission. Um, and of course, it, um, the uh, joint meetings have status under the Good Friday Agreement. So it's important that we look at 
human rights in a, an overall Ireland context because it makes sense, doesn't it? You know, if people are being attacked for uh, on grounds of race or if people are being badly treated in nursing homes or whatever, you may bet it's pretty much the same one side of the border and the other. One green field looks the same as another where human rights are concerned. Well, I'm Orla O'Farrell, and I'm also a member of the uh, of the incoming Human Rights and Equality Commission. So we're, as Betty said, coming up for a meeting, uh, just for our first meeting with our northern counterparts. And uh, it's going to be very interesting because there are things that are done north of the border that are done better than, than we do it in, uh, in the south and vice versa, so we can learn a lot from each other. And uh, apart from the horrible early start, it's great to be on the train going to Belfast in the morning. <laughs> what are the differences, as you see them, when you, when you travel north? really see that much difference at all because uh, I used to travel north quite a lot. My husband is from County Derry and uh, so he used to come backwards and forwards so I'm from Dublin. But one of the things that's been very um, really lovely to see over the last 10 or 15 years has been the normalisation of life in, in Belfast and in other parts of the north. So, uh, you know, whereas years ago going up you'd be confronted with sort of military stuff and things that are a bit scary to, to little timid Dubliners it's not like that in the north anymore and things are, are, are certainly very nice to go very nice to have a look at. It's amazing the number of people who say in Dublin still I, I haven't actually I haven't made it, I haven't made it. I'm thinking I'm going, I will and I'm, I haven't just made it yet. Funny actually yeah, um, we just booked a house in um, uh, the Ards Peninsula just for a long weekend there coming into September and it's amazing how many people have said to me I know every dot and, and tittle from Clare to Kerry but I've never been north of the border and the idea of going on a holiday people are kind of amazed mm-hmm. that you know and this is a beautiful house right on the seafront and yeah and just to tour somewhere new and different you know and, but um, as a you feel like a pioneer I didn't realise it was pioneering until my friend started saying, are you serious? Are you really doing that? You know, Um, and I suppose there is that kind of feeling from going way back. I mean, I worked in journalism up here many years ago, uh, up and down, and it was always covering the conflict. You know, you'd be going up because there was uh, some uh, horrendous piece of news developing or something tragic or something political of that kind. And as, as Orla said about the military presence, there was always the pervasive uh, feeling when you when you arrived in Belfast. You know, even to go for a shopping trip was you'd go to London before you'd go to Belfast. Quite honestly. Robbie, the train manager, said earlier that the beauty of the enterprise was in the diversity of people, and alongside those heading to Belfast for important business, here's Ayako from Tokyo with Paddy from Real Tours Ireland, her personal tour guide for this northern adventure. Well, we explain the differences and we talk about uh, how we've had the peace process now so that people are not intimidated and going in a, uh, intimidated in any way going to Northern Ireland. But uh, from a commentary point of view, when we are in Northern Ireland, we're fortunate in that the coach tour driver does the actual commentary, so he has all the knowledge on the various places along the Antrim Coast Road and then the lovely glens of Antrim. And Ayako, when you came to Ireland, what made you decide to come north? Um, because I know some people from our Northern Ireland, so I'm interested in the, the area, and I like the accent. Do you really? Yes. Because <laughs> it's very different. Yeah, so it's like fun for me. 
language barrier can be a problem. I find some difficulty from time to time understanding a strong Belfast accent. Uh, you know, I find that difficult. I think people are virtually the same everywhere. You have the same cross-section. And um, if you love patience, patience or patience, and uh, wherever you are, there are differences. For example, uh, I was, uh, you know, when I was advised that I should get uh, a certain taxi service rather than another taxi service, I was very surprised. Um, and I've got to know certain things about Belfast life. I'm reluctant to say it, but I do think that the level of division, possibly, in Belfast is something that you would not come across in Dublin or Cork. But isn't there division everywhere? I mean, we're talking about north and south, and some people say your north and your south could be the north of the town and the south of the town. I'm sure there are. There are divisions. Naturally, in a complex society, there are going to be divisions. There are going to be divisions on a socio-economic basis. But, for example, a religious basis is not, in my experience, a division in my professional and social life in Dublin. It just doesn't arise. So I think there is that, I don't, you know... I, we have work to do. I think there, well, yes, I shouldn't say that because the last thing I would want to do is to, to preach in any way, but I, and I'm not. But I am, I think it's fairly recognised that those divisions are not yet uh, fully integrated, but I don't, I don't ever come across it, you know, myself mm -hmm. in the sense of my professional activity. Um, but it, I suppose it's a legacy that I'm sure is disappearing in Northern Ireland. If I were on a train in Japan, what would people know about Northern Ireland? Northern Ireland. Maybe people don't know about Northern Ireland. What about even Ireland? There was no... Guinness. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what do you find, Paddy, you know, the people that come to take the tours, that come to the north, do they understand the differences? Do they... I mean, the differences between north and south? Uh, they don't make any great reference to it, generally. They're in Northern Ireland, really, to see the scenery. And I think they accept the political situation for what it is, knowing that the peace process changed things dramatically. And... There really aren't any great tensions around. Whereas, if you go back 20 years, even in my own experience, if I travelled into Northern Ireland on business, and um, I would feel a little tension there. And but you do, you, and, you, and you still find that as a as a Northerner when you're in Dublin, and still so many people say, "I've never, never actually made it. No, never made it north. Never. I've no thought about going. Or we went up shopping one day to Newry, but there isn't the same traffic." coming north right. as there is people going south. People are still a little afraid. I mean, I've had golfing buddies and who say when we suggested having, uh, say, a golf outing in Northern Ireland, oh, I wouldn't cross the border. Still. Still, you know, and uh, whereas uh, there's absolutely no reason for that attitude now. But going back 30 years, I recall spending a few days in Belfast working with the company I was with at the time, and at that stage they had the barriers at the streets in the city centre to go through, it'd be frisked, etc. And what really brought it home to me one day, I was working with a colleague from Belfast and we went for a coffee break 
and we were sitting at a table just as we are now and two policemen sat at the next table fully armed <laughs> something something at that stage we would never ever see in Dublin and that kind of made the hair stand at the back of my neck not through fear but just the tension said this is what people live in their daily lives here by but that's all gone well only time will tell if tensions have subsided I suppose but in the next carriage two men relaxed chatting away looking forward to their first visit to the Titanic Centre Dubliners Stephen Conroy and Donald Sands who as the surname suggests has a Southdown family connection well this is where I always went on holidays my father was a school teacher and uh, my uncle's farm was on the shore of Carlingford Lock uh, directly opposite Carlingford Harbour a very beautiful place to go to my mother was a Kerry woman and uh, I suppose uh, you could say I'm a Dubliner so I would think that uh, the personality of the people one always feels that the northerners have a much more dry humour whereas say for example the Kerry wit is in their face and the Dublin wit is always is a kind of a mixture of the two if you like you know the the, the quick one-liners and so on and so forth what do you think Stephen is this have you been to the north much I think they have a better work ethic in the north. We seem to be a bit more laid back in the south. <laughs> you can see it when you go up. The cars are in pristine condition. <laughs> you won't see that in the south. So we wash our cars. I think that's a silly thing, though, in the north. I think. But there are small things, like, you know, we call it bacon, you call it rashers. There are little linguistic sort of differences in that as well. Well, there's also the the ones I remember, the potatoes were the portas and the, a lot of the bread we ate was the farns, which was completely unique, I think, to the north anyway. And uh, Elaine was a lowland. Kerry, it's a boreen. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, no, it's... Uh, and I'm looking forward. It's a while since I've been in Belfast. I mean, I think it's probably two years since I was there and... Uh, I used to go up and down a fair bit all through the times, difficult and all that. And did you ever have any bad experiences? Not really. I played sport, so I used to come up and play. I'd get the, the odd small incident way back in, the, in a very difficult time. Um, it's always a very hard place to win. <laughs> <laughs> so they'd give you anything easy? Nothing easy up here. <laughs> you have to fight tooth and nail. <laughs> Where are we now? We're kind of about Gorawood, north of Newry, heading towards Portadown, Points Pass, and all that. And with Leanne Campion. Uh, now, this is complicated. Leanne's from Dublin. She's gone out with a fellow from the north. You live in Scotland. And until you met him, you hadn't actually been north of the border at all? No, I've, I've never been um, up the north at all until I met him. So really, kind of, he was the only reason that I decided to go, not in any sort of bad way or anything like that. I just had never really had any sort of chance or reason to kind of go up there. And where did you meet him? Um, he was living down in Dublin at the time, so we met there. Um, and what was it about his, you know, northern charm and humour and wit? That, it was definitely that instantly his won you round. Yeah, it's definitely his accent. Really? Yeah, I love the accent. The Belfast accent. <laughs> yeah. What kind of? I mean, what was it? Um, oh, I don't know. It's just a really nice, kind of soft, charming accent. I like it. A 
Belfast accent being a soft, charming accent? Well, I think there's different types of Belfast accents. His one's not very harsh, which I like. It's quite soft, so it's nice. And what kind of phrase, you know, what, were the, what, was, the, what was the sentence that swung it? What was the sentence or the phrase that he used that you thought, hello? Oh God, I don't know, but there was times where I'd have to get him to repeat sentences over and over again because I really wouldn't have a clue what he was saying and little words like um, we and just little different words that we would never use. I'd have to say, what's that? What does that mean? <laughs> so what else have we going for us? I mean, as Northerners then, apart from <laughs> this charming, soft accent? No, it's a lovely place, as I said. The people that I have seen have been really nice and, and friendly and things like that as well. The only thing I've only been a bit wary about was the different areas that, you know, with my accents and things, I'd maybe be a little bit worried about going into um, with the flags and things like that. That's the only thing that I've put me off a little bit but other than that everyone that I met or spoke to was really nice and friendly. What happens if you're kind of out for a night in Belfast and you hear another even more charming <laughs> soft Belfast accent? Oh god I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm, thought about that? no I'm happy enough. <laughs> Do you know I think Leanne would love the soft charming accent of Robbie our train manager. Oh, well I don't know if I should say this or not. Um, I had the best of both worlds, and uh, my mother's from Dublin, and my father's from the north. So, uh, so I think I can say this without any comeback on myself. The northerners like to complain a lot. <laughs> but I like to complain. I don't know whether it's because we're always so well pampered, we're used to getting things our own way. Down south, nothing's really a bother with them. I don't know about the reflex on, but that's the difference. That's definitely the difference in this job. Southerners just seem to. Oh, well, sure, it doesn't work for another time. That's just the way it is. Us Northerners, we're slightly different. We maybe have a different attitude to these things. Maybe we have higher expectations, I'm not too sure. On up the train, a Belfast man distinguished less by his accent and more by the giant cast on his left arm. Colm's life straddles the border. He lives in Wicklow, but he works as a greenkeeper in Belfast and he's on the train regularly now to get treatment for a work-related injury. There is a distinct change in the atmosphere as soon as you cross the border. Um, people are a lot more relaxed and friendly towards you. In the south? In the south, sorry. Yeah. Um, when I travel back up north and then work, there's just an edge to people. I don't know whether that's the, the just something that's in the people or whether it's being bred by the troubles that people just are more reserved to people that they don't know. Whereas when I, I come down south, it's everybody's just friendly and welcoming, and generally there's just um, there's a nicer atmosphere, more relaxed, easygoing atmosphere. Experience as well, Daddy. Um, We're kind of yeah, cautious and guarded, and well, maybe 
maybe, our hands. May, well, maybe there's a reason for that as well, historically and politically, uh, that people are a little bit more cautious with strangers in that sort of a way. And also, maybe, maybe in the South we've been a little bit too casual. I mean, going back to the human rights thing, um, you know, that sometimes we're a bit too casual about people's rights and just kind of feeling, uh, sure, it'll be all right. Um, and that there's there's a part of the kind of the northern uh, way of being which I think is very kind of structured and you know serious and good and you know let's do this by the book and properly rather than Asher it's grand as the t-shirt says it's true the other element is that they've been under a a different jurisdiction so um, they have a different set of if you like political and societal culture Um, and therefore the way in which they relate to um, things like you know what they're entitled to what their rights are those sort of things Um, whereas the Irish um, welfare state has been really rather underdeveloped in the south so I mean that's another thing that, that gives you a difference you know a confidence about what you're entitled to, you know, the education that you're looking forward to as a young person, etc. I think that does kind of work in your consciousness, maybe, as, as a personality. I leave Betty and Orla. And walking up through the carriage, I overhear a mother explaining to her little son about how the money is different and the flags are different once you cross the border. This is Rita and Diego from Santa Fe, New Mexico, travelling to Belfast with her uncle and aunt from Mahra Clune in County Monaghan. If you'd asked me about the connection between Mahra Clune, County Monaghan and Santa Fe, New Mexico, I would have struggled now. <laughs> but you are living proof of it. Yeah, that's right, yeah. So you're home... Yeah, home visiting family, long? yeah, for a month, yeah. And I heard you were explaining to... Is this Diego? This is Diego, Diego, nice to meet you. I'm John. What age are you, Diego? Seven. Seven years old. And have you been to Ireland before? No. What do you think of it so far? I like it. Even though it's a bit grey and a bit wet and a bit rainy? Yeah. How is it different to Santa Fe? A lot different. What way? what way? The doors are different. <laughs> the doors are different? The doors are different? <laughs> are they bigger? Are they smaller? Well, the colour of the door. The colour. They have lots more colours on the doors. Especially in Dublin, right? You're thinking of the Dublin doors, actually. Oh, the Dublin doors are yeah. different. That's yeah. true. That's true. So now you were explaining, Rita, you were... We're over the border now. Yeah. But I heard you explaining to Diego, right, we're crossing the border and this is the boy's first time. It is, yeah. Over here. So you're the you're the tour guide. So I am sort of, yeah. Although it's my first time to Belfast though, because all my family's from the Republic. So Right. Yeah. So you haven't been to Belfast before. No, no. So we're, we're going to see the Titanic exhibition too. So. You're the second people going to see Titanic. Yeah, really? Yeah. 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 It's two men in the other carriage as well. That's yeah. funny. Yeah. So what is that? I mean, what do you think is different or what? In the north, you mm. mean? That's a good question because it's since it's my first time coming, I'm be interesting to see. But also, it's you know, I never came during most of the troubles, so it's, I imagine it's a lot calmer now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've always you know heard about the north, but never came. What stopped you coming up before? What what was different this time? And you thought, okay, let's go. Probably because it was harder to cross the border back when there were the troubles, yeah. They, you know, my dad came over with my sisters one time, and, you know, you couldn't park your car in certain places and leave it, and, you know, there was a lot more to be worried about, I suppose. And uh, so now I just felt like it was a good time to come. My son happens to be very excited about the Titanic, so the fact that it's where the Titanic sailed from and was built, well, that's quite special. In this place, Diego, there are buttons to press, there are things to read, there are screens to interact with. 
you're gonna have you're gonna have a ball. It's gonna be brilliant. <laughs> Yuppie! <laughs> you're very excited. What other differences are there between Santa Fe and Ireland? Well, then, one thing is that it's very green here, <laughs> and in New Mexico, it's a desert on a cactus. <laughs> so it, it's more dry. Does everybody not be very thirsty in New Mexico? Everybody's a lot thirsty. <laughs> They're very yeah. thirsty. There's a lot of thirsty people in Ireland too, you think? Sure is. Different reasons. Even different kind of thirst, yeah. 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 And what about the way people talk here? Do you notice it? Is it different? Is it... Well, do you speak faster? Well, I notice accent. We have an accent. Do we? <laughs> very what little kind? though. Very little? What, what kind of an accent? An Irish accent. <laughs> and do you have an accent? No. Well, just us then. Well, I hope it stays green and right. enjoy looking around all those doors. Thank you. Thank you, you say thanks very much. Thanks very much. De nada. De nada. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa, an Irishman says something in Spanish. Isn't he brilliant? I think as the train pulls into Centro Station, marking the end of my time as baggage inspector, that for all our navel-gazing and worrying about how they perceive us and what we think of them, the last person I chat to is a seven-year-old boy from Santa Fe who knows nothing about what happened here, just thinks we talk a bit funny and our doors are different.